Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Nutwell. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. In part two of Infinity War and Endgame, we're going to revisit game theory as it relates to breaking limits. All the way back in episodes 17 and 18, when we looked at the first Doctor Strange, we talked about how Doctor Strange is able to strategically break the game to defeat Dormammu by creating a time loop. We come up against a similar but much more complex problem in Avengers Endgame. What do we do when it seems like we're running out of heroes, we're running out of energy, we're running out of options? I mean, heck, at the beginning of Endgame, they're literally out of options. It turns out that the Infinity Stones have already been destroyed, which are the only way that they know of in order to bring everybody back who's been zapped. And they have to find a way around what seems like a hard constraint. So from a scarcity mindset, it might seem like they're out of resources, they're out of time, and it's all over. And so you see Steve Rogers going to his group therapy session and coping with this idea that everybody's lost for good. And then you see other characters who are trying to fight back and create a new way through. And then we get introduced to Ant-Man who comes in and brings a new perspective to the situation. And when you add his perspective to the rest of the Avengers, they're able to break through through the limit of time to go back and make this amazing time heist in order to be able to capture the Infinity Stones and be able to save all of the people that have been lost. So what this builds up to is this awesome Avengers Assemble moment, which is really the payoff for good leadership. You get all the people working together from across the world, from across the timelines, in order to break a limit and defeat Thanos. So what we want to look at in this episode is when we come up against these complex, really challenging limits, whether it's in our businesses or just in the world at large, these problems that seem unsolvable, how do we create a limit break moment where we can bust through those issues that just seem like they're never going to be solved? Welcome to Wonder Tour. I'm Brian, and I'm here with Drew once again. And yeah, just following up to that great introduction, I want to suggest here, in our last episode, we talked about the difference in worldview where Thanos is focused on resources. He's focused on power. He's focused on stuff. And we contrasted that with our heroes, especially Stephen Strange, being more focused on people and empowering and preserving the people and the wisdom and insight of preserving options for the future. So I want to double down on that a little bit and talk about if you are in a position where you're focused on resources as the thing that you're trying to constrain, almost by definition, you are in a scarcity mindset, right? You have the idea that the pie is only so big and that all of the solutions to the problem involve making different pieces of the pie different sizes, and in particular, probably making your local piece of the pie bigger. So Thanos' solution is, I'm going to make fewer people eating pie. <laughs> but it's a scarcity mindset. He thinks that the amount of resources in the universe are fixed, and the only solution to that problem is to have fewer beings consuming resources. And so what I love about this, you know, the insight that Ant-Man brings in as literally the smallest and sort of least, you know, he's kind of the running joke of the team, right? That he's always like, do I really belong here? And I'm, you know, he's, I'm Ant-Man, right? It's a ridiculous thing. But he brings in this insight just because he comes from the outside because he missed all the events of the last movie. He shows up and he's like, oh, yeah, well, 
based on my experience, this whole time thing isn't actually a constraint. Right? Based on my experience, this unlocks a perspective that a lot of the other players start to share. And fundamentally, what we get is Thanos has this fixed resources, fixed timeline, I am inevitable, there's one solution mindset. And the contrast or the counter to that is, oh, actually, there's not. Actually, there's more than one way around this problem. There's many of us. We can take many approaches to this problem. Now, I'm not suggesting in the real world that we actually have the ability to go back and, you know, visit alternate timelines and branch off new (laughs) versions of reality for all of our shared experience. But we all do have our own versions of reality and we all do get to pursue different angles on it and have different viewpoints. And that power of the different viewpoints and the many shots on goal is really the difference here that we're seeing between the scarcity mindset and the abundance, many options, many futures, try many different things mindset. I think we see that a lot in business. I know I'm involved in business transformation, as are you, Brian, in your career. And business transformation inherently means that we need to take a leap. We need to do something completely differently than the way that we're doing it now. And a lot of times what we run up against is the scarcity mindset. It's just that people want to believe that the hard constraints will always be hard constraints, that we can't get past those constraints. And that's why the business is built the way that it's built currently, exactly because of those constraints. And until somebody is able to start to remove those constraints, just not from the real world, but from somebody's mind, then we can redesign a system. We can redesign a business. We can redesign a process or an organization in order to be able to move past those constraints. And that's exactly what we see here. And it's simple and it's fun the way that they do it, where they break time essentially and they do this time heist. But it speaks to something that's really important because they've been sitting here for five years, not able to figure out a solution in order to go forward. Like I said in the intro, we literally see Steve Rogers just coping with this, trying to come to terms with it. He's basically, you know, he's not given up on hope, but he doesn't believe that there's necessarily a way to fix it at this point. He's just kind of coping. Yeah, he doesn't see a path forward. None of them do. So they all just go leverage a piece of their skill set in some way to kind of keep doing something useful. But they've lost the belief that they can address the big picture, right? So they're all doing very small things. And that's common, right? Many of us have been, you know, we've been in a situation where it's just like, I can't fix the big problem right now. I don't have a team or we don't have a, we don't have a path forward or I don't have the resources. And so I'm just going to fix small local problems and just try to get through the day. But I love that you brought in the the business transformation angle, right? Because if we think about what you do when you're trying to bring in a transformation to a work group's operating style or to try to unlock some new efficiencies or unlock some new capabilities, There's a lot of Mickey Mouse exercises you can do that are, you know, value stream mapping and, you know, draw, see, think and all these things like you put stuff up on a board. But they're all about perspective. They're all about look at get a new top down or a new cross section view of your operations of your business and think about it in a different way. And most of them result in, okay, we're going to track a different thing. We're not going to track, you know number of widgets, we're going to track the amount of time it takes to create a widget or the amount of time we create a widget that has a problem, (laughs) the amount of time that we don't get things on time. Or like an agile transformation, right? We're not going to say we have the perfect plan to succeed in everything in this big waterfall style with these five gates in it. We're going to solve one problem at a time and every week we're going to come together and decide what the next big set of problems are. And the things that you track are different. The metrics you use are different, but also the way you look at success, the way you look at what tasks you can pursue and where the problems are 
that perspective is what unlocks the ability to find new efficiencies or to find new values. When you shift somebody's mindset first, then you get some unexpected results. You don't just change the process and drop people into a new process, but if you actually can shift and transform their mindset to have a growth mindset, instead of being all about scarcity, to be willing to learn new things, to not be afraid of seeing things from a new perspective or imagining what could happen if we could see something from a different angle or we could remove a certain constraint. It turns out when you do that and you focus on the people, like we said in episode one, and unlocking those people, they do things that might surprise you. And one of the examples that we have in Endgame is, so they go back in time and they have limited pin particles. Now, initially, it's Ant-Man who's spurring all of this, and he's the one who's kind of coming up with the idea of how they're going to do it. And then they all kind of team up to come up with this plan for how they're going to break into three different teams in order to be able to steal all the Infinity Stones with the limited run of pin particles that they have. But then eventually, of course, they run into a snag. And so they need to figure out a new path forward because they're not going to be able to get all the Infinity Stones. And so you see the other characters start to have to adapt. You see Tony have to adapt. He's like, okay, well, we only have enough pin particles to go back to our previous timeline. But what if we instead use the pin particles to go back in time further to a spot where there's both an Infinity Stone and a pin particle? And so that we can keep going, right? So once Ant-Man has broken the constraint of time for the team, you don't necessarily need Ant-Man all the time in order to continue to break that constraint. The team now can see and use that mindset on their own. Yes, absolutely. And what I love about this is that all of these sort of, you know, transformation methodologies that you can think about in business, the cliche that they all use that is obviously true, so it's a cliche, is that it's all about empowering individual people to make decisions, right? To go make their own innovation, to go identify their own problems and bring them forward. And so we exactly see this. As you're talking, the other Wonder Tour callback I'm thinking of is our uh, is our Fast Five episode, right? Where the whole first half of the heist is just gathering information. This is the whole first half of this movie is we're going to have everybody individually agree on sort of the broad shape of the plan, and they're going to go improvise their way to make it happen. And so we've got that empowering individuals. We never see Thanos doing this, right? You never see the classic law and order villain empowering individuals to go improvise in pursuit of the goals. They're very task focused. They're very, you know, succeed or be punished. But what we end up with is a better solution than we would have had otherwise, right? Because you came, like you said, they came back with unexpected results and they attacked it in unexpected ways and they had successes and failures. But when they came back together, we had further developed the team and you had stronger results than you ever could have possibly gotten if you had drawn up exactly this is the the way things are going to go. And what that pays off in then, as you framed in the intro, right, is the potential for the on your left moment, the Avengers assemble moment at the end. Yeah, you kind of got to let go to be able to get to this moment. We're in this series on limit breaks. And so I think we first kind of just set the stage by saying that to be a magnanimous leader really is to help shape people's perspectives and mindsets and to let people shape your perspective and mindset. It's to come into a situation with that growth mindset. And that is exactly how in the first Doctor Strange movie, he breaks through. He, Stephen Strange starts out with a fixed mindset, but he has his mind kind of opened up and then he is able to then leverage the learnings that the Ancient One teaches him to then defeat Dormammu and break the game, right? It doesn't take the Ancient One being there all the time in order to save the universe. 
It's just the ancient one imparting wisdom through perspective and mindsets into other people who are then able to capture that wisdom and apply it in different ways that the ancient one would maybe not even have been capable of herself. Yeah. And so we see one of the maybe is one of the flavors of a limit break breaking out of the rut, right, is the I'm stuck. I've failed. I can't see a path forward. I don't have a clear goal. One of the flavors of the limit break that you can have is not necessarily like powering up capability wise, but just refilling the hope bar, refilling the I can see a future that I'm excited about bar. Yeah, you're not out of like mental energy or physical energy necessarily. You might also be, but you're just out of some sort of spiritual energy, right? Like there's just not hope anymore. People aren't able to use their full physical and mental energy because they don't have this spiritual energy that they need. And obviously that's kind of the hardest one to refill, but you can really refill it by reframing things so that people can see from a different perspective, because otherwise they can get to the situation where they have hope, but they have hope because they're kind of hopeful people. They're lacking belief and conviction about anything or a path forward that's going to be suitable. Well, and the what we see at the beginning of this movie is that they're all alone. They're mm-hmm. all off doing their individual things in various ways. Thor's drinking himself to death and Clint's a vigilante and Natasha's just sort of you know turning the crank on trying to keep S.H.I.E.L.D. functioning. But what we see through the course of the movie, they refill their hope bars, they come back together as a team, and all of their actions, all of their successes and failures are demonstrated by caring for each other, right? The whole team is bought into each other. Like, Clint and Natasha are literally fighting each other who's going to martyr themselves and who gets to survive. And Wanda and Vision are arguing about whether they sacrifice themselves earlier on. All of these, all of their interactions, Tony goes back and has an interaction with his dad that kind of closes the arc back to the beginning of many elements in these movies as well. But this, that whole sense of the team is committed to each other as well as the goal, more than they are to themselves, is the exact inverse of the Thanos worldview. And so we have the contrast in their, their mission and commitment. We have a contrast in their worldview about scarcity and abundance. And we have a contrast in their methods and their team sensibility. And so we get, you know, what we talked about for the mountaintop on this one is sort of a double double peak mountaintop where we get the Avengers Assemble moment, the on your left, where if you are the magnanimous leader and you have spent your career, project, life, year, whatever, empowering your team and investing in making sure that your team is available and clear and care for each other, you can potentially get that moment when you really need help and everybody shows up. When the portals open up and all of the forces pour out of them behind you because you've invested in them, because you have prioritized making them available and making them healthy and building the relationship together. That's the first payoff, right? And it's a beautiful cinematic moment. It looks like a centerfold in a comic book spread of all these crazy science fiction fantasy armies pouring out of the wormholes to fight each other. But that sense of like, how cool would that be? Like, I'm in charge of a group. I'm in charge of a team. I'm tasked with this nearly impossible job. And just when I'm ready to give up, everybody that I've ever helped in the past shows up to back me up. Like, how powerful would that be? Because we're all, it's not my mission, it's our mission. That's the first payoff. The first payoff is this team to individual payoff where it's it's almost like you said, this big pain all in one where you can see everybody all at once. It's not too focused on any of the individuals. And yet it's significant to each of the individuals because you know each of their stories and how they got here and how much work and energy has been put in and how they've had to make the right decisions instead of making the easy decisions and things like that. 
But then you get the inverse of that, which is this individual to the whole mountaintop. And we can't avoid this one because this is just an incredible moment in cinema where Tony Stark eventually has to sacrifice himself in this battle versus Thanos. You get this moment where you have Doctor Strange who's looking at this defeated Tony who's laying on the ground and he signals to him the one finger signifying that this is the one outcome that he saw and that this is Tony's moment. That this is the moment that he saw when he was looking forward in time in Infinity War. And Tony takes that and he understands that it's finally time. Ever since Tony's inception in the universe, basically, in Iron Man 1, Tony has been overconfident, but he's never felt like he was worthy. He's never felt like he was worthy, and he always, always wants to feel like he's worthy of all the mistakes that he's made. Just starting from the beginning, providing arms to the bad guys in Iron Man 1, he's feeling like he's he's finally able to make things right for everything bad that he's done. And that's why he's always got to put himself at the front of the war every single time to Potts' chagrin that he has to be up there because he cares and he still feels this this void that he needs to fill in himself, that he needs to be worthy. And it's finally the moment where he can sacrifice himself and be worthy. And so he does it. He grabs the Infinity Gauntlet and he snaps his fingers. And in doing so, he gets blown apart, basically. You get this great moment with his pseudo son, Peter Parker, being there, with Potts being there, with Steve Rogers, kind of the original Avengers that have been there since the beginning, all crowding around him. Just can't believe that he's gone, but also extremely relieved that he was able to put the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, like you said, from a cinematic payoff standpoint, like they've been building towards this, you know, the arc of the character who is the most about himself, right? Coming back around to sacrificing himself for everyone else and finally kind of getting that final limit break. Of course, we're not advocating for the, you know, the leader dying on the altar of the final goal necessarily as a business strategy. But as a cinematic moment, it's amazing. And there are times when, even when everybody shows up to back you up, even when you get the payoff and the whole team is on board, as a leader, you can't necessarily step back and just watch it happen. You have to maintain your commitment. You have to see it through, right? And once you have developed the wisdom and the insight to make sure that you have a magnanimous goal, to make sure that, you know, you are considering the implications of your action, to make sure that you have empowered the team to carry on without you even when you're not there, you may still have to demonstrate your own commitment to close the deal or to really achieve the full scope of your vision. Yeah, this starts to answer one of the questions that we've literally had since episode one, when we talked about Ben Kenobi and how Ben Kenobi sacrifices himself in A New Hope to really set off a chain of events that frees Anakin from Darth Vader. And we have been grappling with this question of, you know, does the magnanimous leader need to sacrifice? And I think we're finally starting to come to something here. I mean, we just went through The Dark Knight Rises, where we see Batman have to learn this lesson. He's trying to throw himself at the altar of purpose over and over again. He's like, I will get my back broken, whatever. And and that's the same thing Tony Stark is doing. He keeps throwing himself to the front lines of war, being like, I'll die if I have to. And I think what we learn here is that it's not wrong for the magnanimous leader to sacrifice themselves. It's clearly not based on all the stories that we've seen across humanity. It's not wrong for the magnanimous leader to sacrifice themselves. But you cannot sacrifice yourself all the time because if you sacrifice yourself all the time, there's going to be nothing left of you when you really need to make a sacrifice. 
if every time a bad guy comes, Batman gets his back broken, he's going to have nothing left when at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, somebody has to go get the nuke and pull it out of town. Batman's not going to be there. Who's going to do it? You have to save up for the final limit break. Not to say that everybody's going to have a limit break where they die for somebody else. I mean, again, that's neither here nor there. But if you give whatever it might be, whether it's your life, your ambitions, your resources, if you if you sacrifice those all the time just to make you feel something or to make it feel like you're worthy or something like that, it's not going to get it done in the end. Because Tony had to be alive at that last moment. If he sacrifices himself at the end of Infinity War, he's not there at the end. And so you don't have the human who's able to wield the Infinity Gauntlet, who's able to snap their fingers and end it exactly when he needs to be there. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I think, like we talked about in the first episode, right, the the sacrifice isn't necessarily the point, right? The sacrifice overcommitting or sacrificing can lock you into a path. The sacrifice itself is just the level of commitment that you have, but the aligning that with the right purpose. And the other thing, the reason this keeps showing up in cinema and stories, right, the reason that humans keep telling these kinds of stories that have this martyrdom element is not because they're encouraging you to go martyr yourself. It's because the idea that the people that you love and respect that have mentored and built you up will not always be there and then you will have to stand on your own is absolutely a real thing. Someday you're going to have to be Luke Skywalker without Ben Kenobi. <laughs> Someday you're going to have to be Doctor Strange without the Ancient One. Sometimes you're going to have to be, you know, whatever your whatever your analogy is, right? Gandalf's not going to be there and you've got to be Frodo. But there's this very natural rhythm of our leaders retire. You know, our parents pass away. Our mentors move on to do other things. And the important thing about them is not just the moment of sacrifice. The important thing about them is the way in which we learn to behave from them, the lessons they imparted and the worldviews that we learned. Part of what's going on here is from an arc standpoint, we kind of had to, you know, Tony's completed his arc going from the most selfish person in the world, literally, to the most selfless person in the universe. Is it fair to say, Brian, that sacrifice is so important because it's the ultimate exhibition of character? Yeah, it's and a demonstration of character, right? And you yes. you should be you should demonstrate to your team, to your people, that their well-being is as important to you or more than your own, right? That you're not prioritizing yourself. It's the magnanimous leader through and through, right? And so, of course, you know, everything about this movie is cranked up to 11 and then cranked up to 11 again. We've got sort of an N-squared thing going on here. So, of course, the sacrifice itself is more dramatic as well, as are the battles, as are the stakes, as are the explosions. But the key elements of the worldview and the willingness to sacrifice and the commitment to the team and to examining the mission for whether it's going to empower people rather than try to control them, those are all the elements that we always look to take away. Wow, that's really good how that kind of all comes together here, because this movie to me is one of the critical sacrifice movies to look at where you get this. Not everybody sacrifices in this movie, but you get the Natasha sacrifice, you get the Tony sacrifice. And it's really meaningful because those characters are more or less gone for good, even in a Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is some finality to it, which is kind of the other piece of sacrifice that we will get into at another point. You know, why is sacrifice so critical to the human story. It's because of the finality of humans. <laughs> That's part of it. But I love what you said there, that sacrifice demonstrates character. That's why, because it's the ultimate demonstration of character. And 
in a moment where Tony Stark needs to impart his character to Peter Parker, to his pseudo son, to be able to carry it forward to the rest of the Avengers. I mean, heck, he has this moment with Potts and you see Steve Rogers looking on at this moment that he has with Potts. It's romantic in some senses. And it's just tear jerking in others where Potts her whole life kind of knew that this might be the end of Tony because he's this sort of a guy that he's always putting himself out there in order to complete his story. He almost had to sacrifice himself. And yet you see Steve Rogers see that and it changes him. That is what a good magnanimous leader does. They demonstrate character, not always through sacrifice, but every once in a while through sacrifice. And it changes Steve Rogers. And then that's Steve's ending. We see him going back to spend the time with the woman that he loves to live his life that way and finally to lay down the mantle of Captain America. And it's beautiful, right? And there's so many other ways that you could imagine that the Tony Stark character demonstration sacrifice moment changes the Avengers, changes humanity. Nice. I love it. All right. So what are our key takeaways here? Number one, changing the perspective and the mindset is the key to a limit break, especially when you're trying to get out of a rut. We kind of identified one type of limit break that's getting out of a rut. We see that type of limit break a couple times here, whether it is the having to go back and be able to get the Infinity Stones or whether it's running out of energy against Thanos. You got to change the perspective and the mindset. Number two, the payoff for good leadership is the assemble moment. The payoff for good leadership is not getting to stand at the front of the crowd or getting to topple Thanos or something like that. It's the moment when the team stands up. And the team is able to exhibit good character and wisdom and able to make an impact on the world without you necessarily having to even lead them or having to be there. And then number three, sacrifice demonstrates character. Right. And again, not necessarily only the ultimate sacrifice, but every day, the things that you prioritize demonstrate your character. And as we have beaten into the ground and will continue to do, your character is your destiny. We see the characters all not necessarily getting happy endings, but getting the endings that were, to use a particular word, inevitable based on who they were and how they conducted themselves. All right, well, this is really fun. We're deep into our series on limit breaks, and it's interesting that we've spent a lot of time talking about worldviews. We've spent a lot of time talking about perspectives and talking about you know relationships and prioritizing the team, which is not, not unusual for us here at Wonder Tour. But that sense that how do you find your limits? How do you break through your limits? What techniques can you use to reach a new level? And both the benefits and the risks of committing to what direction you're going in, the framework you use to make those decisions, the framework you use to point yourself in a direction will absolutely constrain and limit what kind of impacts you can have on the world. And we have to be very intentional about how we're making our decisions and about what things we're willing to sacrifice and about how we're treating our own importance and our own worldview versus empowering those around us. So I'm looking forward to drilling into this. The limit break concept was new to me as we started this series. And so I'm really sort of enjoying thinking about it. Next time, we're going to bounce from the Marvel Cinematic Universe back to the Star Wars Cinematic Universe. We're going to go spend some time with Cassian Andor in the Andor TV series, which is a very different flavor of Star Wars, but I think it's going to illuminate some of these same elements. So I'm really looking forward to it. So with that, in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed the journey with us here for Infinity War and Endgame. Thank you so much. And we're looking forward to talking to you next week. And just remember, as always, character is destiny.